Good afternoon, everyone. It's Dr. Nigro again. Our next episode of Psychology Unplugged. As always, a heartfelt thank you to all of our followers, both in the United States and internationally. Uh, it's a pleasure to be able to do this program on a weekly basis and um, give as much education and legitimacy and seriousness and also a sense of hope surrounding the vast majority of disorders that are found throughout the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. Um, so I appreciate those who have come from near and far for me to evaluate them and who are uh, in my calendar for future upcoming appointments. And um, <clears throat> thank you for the feedback. And it's been fun talking with a lot of people. And it's really cool how many people are entering the field independent of their age or uh, reevaluating, you know, what they want to do uh, with their majors in college, and if we're a source of inspiration and motivation, because uh, at at this juncture uh, of our these these the societal times, I could tell you, at least from my firsthand experience, and also from talking with colleagues in you know whether they're prescribing medication or doing psychotherapy or working on inpatient units, um, even, you know, at least here in the, you know, the United States and, you know, Massachusetts, which is really the hub of, of, of healthcare, both from a psychiatric and psychological perspective, as well as a medical perspective, uh, the, there is a paucity, uh, of resources, uh, and even a bigger paucity of good resources for, uh, individuals struggling with mental health conditions. So I'm going to revisit a topic that I've, I've brought up a couple times. No, it's not borderline. I know that's everyone's favorite, but I'm guarantee we will recircle back to that uh, multiple times uh, as this journey progresses. But I, I just realized the, a, a conversation that I've, I've had. We're going to basically, the focus today is uh, ADHD and what is true ADHD and what looks like ADHD and the importance of getting uh, a, a true uh, evaluation, which is really the only way to delineate what whether ADHD is there and what subtype of the three it is, if it is indeed present. Now, uh, <clears throat> I, I have this conversation probably at least several times a week, uh, doing two, sometimes three neuropsych evals. And uh, it's a common occurrence. And it, I think it, it, it warrants me, I've, I've alluded to this in other episodes and I've addressed it, but I've, I've seen enough of this over time that it really warrants, I think, careful attention, uh, both for individuals who think that they have ADHD and, and individuals who are diagnosing and, and treating ADHD because there's so many different symptoms and disorders that, that mimic ADHD. So I, I will always ask a patient to not take their stimulant medication the day uh, of testing, sometimes the day prior to and the day of testing, and I communicate with their prescribers to make sure that that is, uh, you know, they're okay with that. Um because one, I want to make sure that there truly is ADHD, and two, what the severity level will be. Now, 
this is a ADHD is, is a common um, disorder that we come across in neuropsychology. It is neurodevelopmental in etiology, which means it is something you are born with it. It has a strong genetic predisposition. Uh, it also has a high comorbidity with bipolar disorder. So if I'm assessing for, that's why family history is crucial in being able to get a maternal and paternal medical and psychiatric history. And, you know, the older the person is, the more difficult it is. I've mentioned this, you kind of, you know, they didn't really talk about things. Uh, the older population, you know, grandpa wasn't an alcoholic. He just, you know, went to the bar every night if he worked at the factory. And, um, you know, you had crazy Uncle Harry in the closet because he was, uh, you know, ashamed of the family. I think we've evolved. And, you know, that again, another reason, uh, motivating factor for doing this program but, you know, there, there, there's more to ADHD than just simply, you know, filling out rating scales. And do I use rating scales? Yes. Um, but I can tell you uh, firsthand that subjective rating of attentional problems is oftentimes markedly discrepant from an individual's actual performance on the tests of attention. So we'll measure simple attention, complex attention, sustained attention, cognitive flexibility, executive functions. Uh, people always, they, they associate, you know, AD, ADC with an executive function disorder. And there are no executive function disorders. And we have a lot of these pop psychology terminology, you know, uh, terms like neurodivergence and I don't know what that is that's a multitude of things and I I stick to a you know a, a pretty strict clinical model because that I think is what 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 formulates a good uh, I think makes a good diagnostician and, and yields a good diagnostic you know evaluation with 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 confidence but it's interesting the amount of people that are actually prescribed uh, medication, stimulant medication, uh, to be precise, um, actually, I'd say I was kind of, you know, thinking about, you know, I was thinking of doing this topic. I, I, I would say off the top of my head, maybe one in 10 people actually have ADHD. And oftentimes it's depression or bipolarity, sometimes OCD. Uh, those are probably the more common ones and sometimes just a pure processing speed disorder, but mood symptoms invariably adversely impact attention and concentration. That's why it is so crucial to not rely on these self-report scales. Um, you know, and you know, there is, is there a, a need or actually a need? Is there uh, yes, there. I'll just answer the question. There is a strong desire for people to. They like stimulant medication. It it helps. It helps people concentrate. It it gives people. It gives people energy. It helps them focus. Uh, I, I've I've alluded to this before. It's on Netflix or Hulu. I think it's called Adderall Dation, about you know the whole underground system in in you know the collegiate setting about how you know come midterms and finals the you know, texting and bartering for, you know, stimulant medication and, and, and they do work, but I, I'm coming from the perspective of, of seeing this on such a frequent basis. And, you know, I think if you're going to a therapist, you're going to a provider, no one's doing anything wrong. I mean, you're, someone's presenting symptoms. And I tell people like, I'm, if you're coming for, you know, see if you have ADHD and 
you, I am in no way discounting your subjective report that you may be experiencing problems with attention and concentration and perhaps memory, but it's simply not coming from something neurological like ADHD. It's coming from something like depression. So if you're depressed and, I, and I'm reading a list of 12 words to you and you're you know, your head's down and, you know, you're not paying, you know, your, your attention is going to be thrown off, but that's because you're depressed or say you're highly anxious or have social anxiety and you're, you're afraid of being judged or afraid of giving the wrong answer. Those could adversely impact things. Or you get the kid with oppositional defiant disorder who's just rushing through the test and you, you can look at their neurocognitive profile and see that they look horribly impaired, but that's not because they have ADHD. It's because they have no interest in being there and they're just there at the behest of their parents or, or because they're being dragged in. And I tell parents that I have no confidence or, or in the reliability or validity of these reports. And, and, and that, that's from my, my perspective and, and that's more the um, exception than, than, than the norm. Uh, but I, I thought it, 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 it's, it's worthy to to address this because um, you know self report scales kind of have uh, a halo effect, and you know it's like if everything you have is a hammer, and if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And ADHD can is is often, in my experience, overly diagnosed when in fact there are other contributory factors. Hence the the I you know. Those of you guys who follow this, and no, no surprise, I'm going to emphasize the the the, the crucial need for getting a full neuropsych eval. Um, you know, subjective reports are good because you can still use a subjective report like the Vanderbilt or the Connors. But I personally, I've said this in other episodes, I would never, ever, ever base a diagnosis of ADHD on a sing, on a single rating scale ever. That's just it's because when you see the data and you actually need to test the attentional systems, that is a crucial variable. And again, I brought this up in other episodes, but I over the last I don't know why over the last few weeks I've seen so many cases and I and I've seen this, you know, in you know, years past, but it, it, it pops up and, and some people um I think that it kind of cuts both ways when, you know, kind of, you know, let them know, you know, preliminary findings. Uh, there is sometimes a sense of relief, like, oh, my God, thank God, there's nothing wrong with my brain. It's just anxiety. Uh, and some people, you know, they have their heart set on the little blue pill. And I don't mean Viagra. I mean Adderall. Um to be the the be all end all and and the curative factor for all of their problems, and the the misconception with 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 the psychiatric medications for ADHD, if, if it truly is there, is it will help you to pay attention and rein in your attentional dysregulations, but it in no way will teach you the the skills that are deficient in ADHD. And remember, people with ADHD, especially in kids and children and adolescents, are 30% below their same age peers, socially, emotionally, and motorically. Uh, so whereas somebody may be 10 years old, their emotional skills and, and, and cognitive maturity and social maturity is going to be that of probably a 7-year-old. And when, when the ADHD is present, there is a lot of symptom overlap sometimes with autism spectrum disorders um, or autism spectrum disorder. 
and sensory issues, social and interpersonal deficits, and it's important to differentiate what ADHD truly is there. Uh, from my experience, you kind of have two things, internalizing disorders and externalizing disorders. And people use the term ADD, and I've said this before, there is no such thing as ADD. It's attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, predominantly inattentive presentation, predominantly hyperactive presentation, or combined presentation, which is the most severe. So what I typically see with kids and uh, adolescents in particular is when there's the the inattentive type, which is really can only be detected through neuropsych testing, is there are no overt symptom, uh, no real overt behavioral uh, manifestations, not not bouncing off the walls, not jumping out of their seats, you know, not grabbing one of the guitars in my office, um, not not you know they're they're not motorically dysregulated, and they're often mislabeled, you know, unfortunately as lazy, unmotivated daydreamers, uh, when in fact they, they are struggling with an, uh, a neurological condition. And the as kids get older, the amount of effort that they're putting in to attain, you know, good grades uh, doesn't match the amount of effort that doesn't match the feedback that they're getting in terms of grades. So whereas you're spending five hours to get a, a C plus you know, if, if properly medicated or getting the right psychotherapeutic skills um, to have, learn, you know, strategies and techniques, you know, with those in place, uh, easily, an A is easily attainable. And I see a lot of these kids, they start to develop uh, at first like a subclinical depression and anxiety. And those are the internalizing disorders. So the, the ADHD inattentive type goes more towards internalization and um, this this mindset that, that begins kind of a trajectory of, of depressive symptoms. And uh, I'm not going to I'm not going to go to college. I'm not going to be successful. Uh, you know, I'm 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 missing out on spending time with my friends and they're getting in trouble from their parents and they're getting in trouble from their teachers because they're not turning their homework or their assignments in. And I see this all the time. And when you have the hyperactive type and the goodbye type, those kids and adolescents are so motorically dysregulated that they start to bother other people. They bother the teachers. They bother um, other students. And as the peer groups get, you know, they start to form as they get older, like fourth, fifth grade, uh, left untreated, these kids start to become ostracized and, and, and they're pushed outside the, you know, the, the, the main peer group. And who do they hang out with? The other kids who've been ostracized and it becomes almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy is you think I'm a bad kid. You're going to treat me like a bad kid. Finally, I'll just identify with one and act with, act like one. And that's where you'll see disorders like oppositional defiant disorder, conduct disorder, intermittent explosive disorder, um, disruptive mood dysregulation disorder. So those are more of the externalizing disorders. Um, but, you know, back to the point I, I, I was, you know, trying to make is this the over-reliance on, on self-reporting of ADHD symptoms versus the data I have from actually doing neuropsych evals, assessing for this stuff, there's a, there's a huge discrepancy and there's a fundamental problem. Um, it, I, I, it's, it's, it's almost as if there's, you know, again, do, do these meds work? Yeah. Do they, do people like them? Yeah. Do, I mean, do teenagers love them because they're appetite suppressants? Absolutely. Uh, are they, you know, heavily abused and misused? Yeah. I mean, in Massachusetts, there's a huge shortage of Adderall and Vyvanse and, um, 
and, and Concerta. And, you know, these, these medications do work. But, you know, the a, a fundamental, you know, misconception, like I said, is they don't teach anybody skills. They don't teach how to do homework. They don't teach how to organize your book bag. They don't teach you what to do uh, when you get home from school of how to organize and how to do homework and where to sit in the house and stuff like that. And sometimes, you know, you need someone like, you know, a coach or, you know, a good therapist who specializes in ADHD can do some, you know, you know, really, really good work and help somebody learn the skills. Um, but, 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 you know, the earlier identification of this, the better, especially when I talked about, you know, the, you know, the pension for going towards the internalizing disorder and the externalizing disorder. And also when there's a family history of bipolarity, independent of the age, it's crucial, I think, to assess for maybe some subclinical symptoms. And sometimes bipolarity is very evident at a very young age, maybe eight, nine years old, um, you know, so it's, you know, back, you know, you know, my own frustration with people not diagnosing borderline personality disorder, you know, prior to age 18, when it is clearly there, and it clearly says in the DSM that, that you can, um, with the exception of antisocial, but I've mentioned the reasons for that, not being clinical, but being legal, in the, at least in the United States. Um, but it, it's, it's just something that I've seen on, on such a frequent basis that, again, warns, um, you know, giving its due diligence, even though if I've alluded to this, it's just, it, I, I guess for me, it, 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 it's frustrating. What are these people saying to convince people to give them diagnosis of ADHD? Um, and when I tell them you don't have it and, you know, I'm going to recommend to, you know, talk to your prescriber, or I'll communicate with your prescriber about me, you know, what is the, you know, about the continued use of stimulant medication. You some the looks you get sometimes, it's like you look like you're telling them that you're taking their firstborn child. Uh, so there's, I think there's this, this psychological dependence on on stimulant medications, at least in in you know in Western, at least in the United States, and, and there's definitely uh, a psychological dependence, and everybody thinks they have ADHD. And uh, do I think that there are, are are higher rates of it? Yes, because the amount of information and technology and inflow and 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 uh, of just information coming in, and the orbital prefrontal cortex's ability to kind of, you know let in what it needs to let in and keep out what it needs to get out. And I see, and I think that's also a huge contributory factor to uh, the earlier manifestation of psychiatric conditions back to what I refer to as the diathesis stress model, the inter intersection of biology and genetics and environmental stressors is a very, very real thing. And I, I, I I'm coming to not just as, as, as a, uh, you know, just somebody who's looking at data, but somebody who sees this stuff. You know, I'm seeing people in person. I, I, I'm watching people take tests as I administer, administer them is such a crucial part of doing diagnostics, whether it's looking for ADHD or you're looking for other things. And in the vast majority of cases when ADHD is there, rarely is it just ADHD. Are there cases where it is? Yeah, there are cases where it is just ADHD. But, you know, processing speed is another one that there's, there's no way to assess for processing speed unless you get a neuropsych eval. Um, processing speed is a complete and total separate diagnosis. Uh, I did an episode on that, you know, I think back when we first started out the podcast. So I'm not going to, you know, rehash that. But processing speed is input, mental manipulation, output, verbally and auditorily, um, which can often look like ADHD and can be comorbid and coexist with ADHD. And when that's the case, uh, you know, the need for especially academic interventions and sometimes, um, 
work interventions and given you know ADHD is something that uh, I've diagnosed it in in adults uh, in later adulthood because the de- until the demands of the situation bump up against the ability level you generally don't see it so from my perspective, I generally see it from the transition from elementary to middle school, middle school to high school, high school to college, and from college sometimes into the adult career world, especially if there's a job change and the the requirements of the job uh, or the, the managerial style or the you know structure of the environment changes and now there's a problem where – uh, you know, so structure is, is is a huge part of 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 working with ADHD and 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 treating it with those those specific strategies. But in, in no way am I saying it is not a legitimate disorder because it absolutely is. I'm just saying it's a disorder that requires more probing and actually testing the attentional systems and not just relying on symptom rating scales. Um, I mean, I look at them, but I, I and I use them, but I, I I can use them, and you know, again, saying not discounting. I like using the the, the Vanderbilt or just like an, an adult or child self report scale. You know, I, I'm not going to base a diagnosis off that, but at least this is a person's subjective report of their experiences, and even if it's depression. You can still say, okay, the depression has caused you to have problems in these areas. That that still is clinically beneficial. And I'm not dismissing the whole, you know, get rid of rating scales altogether. I'm simply saying from the, from the amount of evals that I've done and the if – if we're just kind of – Putting in the in the in the, in the in just the box of of ADC, how many people actually do not have ADC that have been diagnosed with ADC simply based off of a rating scale? And can everybody get a neuropsych eval the next day? No, but you know, can you get uh, you know? So there, there's a reality to the world, and I think people do the best they can with the tools that I have. And this is not about anybody doing anything wrong. I'm simply saying there's a, there is a fundamental flaw in just relying on subjective rating scales in in, in, in a diagnosis of ADHD. And then so I think from my perspective, starting on somebody on, on a path, uh, you know, a medication regimen that may not be warranted. And like I said, I've seen it in people's faces that, you know, some people like, I'm really glad. And that, that I think is more the um, uh, exception than the norm from my experience. Uh, but you know, but on the flip side, you know, telling somebody, you know, that there's confirmation that they do have ADHD, generally the inattentive type, uh, there's there's kind of a sense of relief and, and being able to put a name to it and be able to explain where someone's struggles are. Uh, and I think that's where people, I think I see more of the you know those de- those depressive symptoms and anxiety and OCD a lot more sometimes the personality disorders but you know more the affective disorders or the emotional disorders with um with the inattentive type of of ADHD and uh you know people will say I, I you know I bought these books and I read that and I can see myself in that or I see I look at my child and god I see that's how I struggled growing up and they'll want to get neuropsychology find that there was ADHD. It was, it was, it was, you know, undiagnosed for years. And, um, it, it doesn't seem to have the stigma that many of the other psychiatric conditions have, um, 
depression, anxiety, borderline personality, bipolarity. Um, you know, I'm not saying it's cool to have ADHD, but most people are kind of like, hey, I have ADHD, huh? Eh, no big deal. It really doesn't seem to have that that negative connotation, but it, it can certainly, you know, successful, you know, early identification or at least identification and successful implementation of, of whether they're psychopharmacological agents, cognitive behavioral therapy, working with some kind of coach in, in ADHD uh, can be transformative for the better. Uh, I'm just coming at from perspective diagnostically, you know, to, you know, Get get an eval if you can to get confirmation that it truly is ADHD, um, because you know life happens to us and stress can impact attention to concentration. Depression definitely impacts uh, attention to concentration and memory. Uh, that's why it's so important to get a detailed. Uh, detailed history and and that structured diagnostic clinical interview that I use is such a crucial part at least in in how I approach diagnostics and helped me to form you know what is at the end of the, at the end of the day at the end of the report is is a truly an accurate depiction of what exactly is there and what exactly is not there and and you know the tests that we have or at least the ones I use are really the gold standards of assessment and it 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 they have we the tests have validity scales they could tell if someone's faking someone's lying you know if you're trying to you know does somebody have a you know is there a secondary gain which means is is there an agenda whether that's for ADHD or whether that's for a diagnosis of something else, you see, I, you tend to see that more when somebody may be looking for uh, disability or workers' comp- compensation, or you know, what's what's the motivation for you to look impaired? Uh, the vast majority of people, I think, approach these tests with uh, you know wanting to do their best and. Um, but again, there are people for a variety of reasons that want to present themselves as being much more impaired than than they not only actually are, than they or than they really are, but than they than they actually are. So not not to belabor the point, but uh, I, I just just something that I've seen a lot of the last few weeks. Uh, I've seen in the past, like I said, that I think warranted it. Um, you know, even though I've alluded to it at different points, its own uh, topic that you know if you get diagnosed. Get 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 fully evaluated at some point to just confirm that you do, you do have it. Um, it's just something I I truly believe in, and I see the utility of it. I see the importance of it, and I also see what you know because of the amount of time that I get to spend with people. The other things that I'm able to pick up that you're not able to pick up in that 45 minute hour session with a therapist or your 15 or 30 minute, at least in the United States with your, with your prescriber, not because they don't know what they're doing. It's because the insurance companies say you only got this amount of time to do it. Um, so, all right, not to belabor the point, but, uh, hopefully this was helpful. Uh, hopefully Julie will be back on at some point. Um, until next time, continue to reach out to me through psychology today. Uh, email me through psychology unplugged at outlook.com. Follow us on Instagram at psychology underscore unplugged underscore. Uh, thank you to everybody who follows this program. Uh, email me with suggestions. I know I've been able to answer a lot of them with just a phone call or a text or an email, but I appreciate this journey that you've uh, continued to embark on with us. And until next week, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and I will talk to you guys. All right, bye, guys.